Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, the, what you just heard was a recording of um, the Concordia Theological Seminary Cantor I Choir singing of the Father's love begotten. Um, this is going to be a recording of the sermon that I preached uh, today, Christmas Day, the Nativity of Our Lord. And the sermon is based off of John chapter 1, which reads this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a, I don't know if you've heard someone say this. You'll hear it, sometimes you might hear somebody say, I don't like crucifixes. In other words, they don't like the cross with Jesus' body on it, hanging on it. And the reason they state this is they'll say, well, Jesus is not on the cross anymore. So we don't like crucifixes. My response to that is, well, what about, so what do you do with mangers? Manger scenes, you know, the nativity scenes, the crashes, you see the manger there and baby Jesus in there. Well, Jesus isn't a baby anymore. He's not in the manger anymore. Well, the reason why we do both of these things is they, they're object lessons to teach us about a life of Jesus. But the thing is, the cross, the crucifix, is much more significant. And I'm going to get to this through this, this sermon, this message. But I think this little um, issue highlights something. We want the baby Jesus more than we want to hear about the crucified Jesus. More than we want to hear about the Jesus that is talked about in John 1. Not only the text that I just read, but you go farther where John the, John the Baptist, not the author of the gospel, but another John, John the Baptist, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We don't want that Jesus very often. People want to stick with the baby Jesus. And so what I have here is I'm going to play a clip um, from Talladega Nights. There's a movie where Ricky Bobby and his family and his best friend are 
are saying a prayer and I would like, and I'm using, I didn't use this in the, um, in the service. I just kind of quoted it, but I'd like you to listen to this because I think this goes very well with the train of thought that I'm going with. So listen to it here. Well, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, you're golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist paw. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus... Like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and a $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this. So that's, you know, enough of that um, little prayer. I just wanted you to listen to that. Apologize that there's a little language in there. But the, the scene, I wanted you to hear that whole thing. Listen to them praying his insistence on praying on eight to pound, six ounce baby Jesus because he likes the Christmas Jesus. But the thing, and the thing is, this what you're hearing is not that absurd because many of us live are in that same situation. We keep, we want to cling to the Christmas Jesus, and so this is, we think that the that Christmas is Jesus's birthday. We are emphasizing his birth, but it's not. It's not his birthday. Remember, Christianity came out of Judaism, and Judaism doesn't celebrate birthdays. I mean, they do kind of now, because of Western culture. But birthday celebration of birthdays is a Greek thing, not a Jewish thing. So this is not about the celebration of Jesus. This is not about a birthday. What it is about is what you have expressed in the Gospel of John. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the Greek word we translate as word, logos, is not, the logos doesn't really best translate as word. This is kind of one of those problems with translating from one language to another. We don't have a really good word to translate out of the Greek into the English. It's actually, that word, logos, is actually a very um, complex word. 
And I don't think there's a single English word to describe it. So if any of you, if you've ever heard of Aristotle, if you're familiar with him, Aristotle had an argument for the existence of a God. He didn't argue for the existence of our God, the true God, but he exists. He argued that there was a God, and he said that look at everything that exists in the entire world. Look at everything that ever happens. So, like you know, for instance, um, I have my cell phone here, and I plopped it on the desk. Why did it plop on the desk? Well, I decided to pick it up and plop it on the desk to make an illustration. And you can point back to where the thought entered into my head and me lifting it. And you can look at the way the bones flex and all the electrical signals going on in my brain that allowed it to happen. But you eventually, you could follow all this back and you could, and, and I can even talk about why are you listening to this? What led you to listening to this sermon? And ev but the point is, all these things, everything that has ever happened in the history of the world has a single, has a cause. But you follow that cause far enough back, you get to the mover, the unmoved mover, the cause who has no cause, the source, the one that puts everything into motion. That is what the Greek word logos means. It's referring to the unmoved mover. So John is basically saying, in the beginning was the unmoved mover, the unmoved mover was with God, and the unmoved mover was God. And eventually he says, and he says in there, you know, that nothing, everything that exists in the world came by him, so ver further verifying this understanding, because John is writing to a Greek audience that would have been very familiar with the ideas and the writings of Aristotle. And so you follow farther and you get to verse 14 and it says that the word, the logos, the unmoved mover, became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's this? Jesus. That is beginning to get the core of Christmas. The day of Christmas Eve, we're focusing on Jesus' humanity because in the early church, there was fights about whether or not Jesus was human. They could not accept the idea of God becoming flesh. And so that's um, so Christmas Day very much emphasizes Jesus' humanity. Um, you especially look at hymns like uh, Once in Royal David's City where it talks about he was weak and um, he had tears and he smiled like we do. So talking about his human um, frailties. But on the other hand, but today, Christmas Day, we are focusing on Jesus as God. That Jesus is the divine. He is the second person of the Trinity. Um, and that he entered into human flesh. Why? Why enter into human flesh? Why does he do this? And the reason is, is because the world dwelt in darkness. Darkness brought about by sin. The sin that first came about by Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve said, you know, we're told, do not partake of the fruit in the midst of the garden, for in the day that you do it, you shall die. And so they partook of that fruit. They disobeyed God, and the world began to spiral into sin, and their first children committed murder. And you can see a whole slew of horrible things that happened throughout the Old Testament. 
and the world just keeps getting worse and darker and darker. And the thing is, we look, the world is becoming dark, but the source of the darkness is the sinful nature that dwells deep within our own hearts. The darkness is, our, is us, our sinful nature that we bear in ourselves. There is nothing good in us. We are poor, miserable, dirty, rotten sinners with no good or merit of our own. And so because we are in this pitiful state and we deserve to live in eternal darkness, in eternal death, even though that's what we deserve, our Lord looks down and he says, I, God so loved the world, you, me, love the world, everyone that listens to this, everyone who doesn't listen to this, God so loved the world that he sent his son into human flesh. His son, the unmoved mover, who is God himself, was sent into the flesh in order that the light of the world may enter into the darkness. His, Jesus is the light of the world to bring darkness, to bring relief to the darkness. And he did this by being born of the Virgin Mary and suffering and dying on the cross. You see, that baby that we talk about in the manger is the same, the same one who said to Adam and Eve that the serpent, that the offspring of Eve would crush the serpent's head. He is the same one who wrestled with Jacob. He is the same one who said to Moses from the burning bush, I am who I am. He is the same one who appeared before Isaiah on the throne, high and exalted. He is the same one who was in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is who is in the manger. The great I am. The one who spoke the world into existence. But he didn't stay in the manger. And you know the, the stories of Jesus in his infancy. The gospel of John says nothing about Jesus' infancy. Neither does the gospel of Mark. The only parts where you, the only place that talks about Jesus' birth is the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And the reason it's not talked about much outside of that is because it's not the most significant thing in the life of Jesus. Paul never pretty much never talks about it. Neither do any of the other epistles. And the reason is because it is not the central message of the of the church of Jesus. The central message was to come. And it's in those words, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How does he take away the sin of the world? That person who is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, of one substance with the Father, by whom all things are made, who is the unmoved mover who became flesh and dwelt among us, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and he does it. By this way, see the one who was, you know, was in the Old Testament foretold of it and had all those moments is also the would also be betrayed, 
abandoned, spat upon, mocked, struck in the face, whipped, tortured, beaten, and nailed to the cross. Because that right there, the cross is the central point. I mean, think about this. The Gospels. In the Gospel of Matthew, now the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, is the first event, is what starts Holy Week. Palm Sunday is recorded in Matthew chapter 21. There are 28 chapters. That means 7 out of 28 ch chapters are about the last, is about the last week and a little bit more because of the resurrection accounts of Jesus' earthly ministry. Mark, chapter 11 to chapter 16, is all about the last week of Jesus. And by the way, I don't know if, you, if you ever look at this, you'll also notice that these chapters are significantly longer than the earlier chapters of the, of the Gospels. Um, for the most part, Matt, Luke, the triumphal entry is in Luke 19. And so there's, I think, another... So Luke, it's not as quite as long as the, as the others, but still quite a few chapters to go. And then you have John, and this is the one where it really stands out. The Gospel of John, the triumphal entry is in chapter 12, and there's 21 chapters. That means n almost... Half of the gospel is spent on one week. Now think about that. Jesus had 30 some odd years of earthly ministry. And yet, I would say about a third to a, a fourth to maybe a third of the entire gospel content is about Holy Week. About the march to the cross. And Jesus throughout his gospels is constantly calling to it, saying that he's going to be crucified. I mean, that's what it means to be the lamb. To be the lamb, you know, to be the sacrifice for sin means to die, to shed your blood for another. So when Jesus is called the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, it is saying that he is the one who sheds his blood. For the world. For you. For me. That's what Christmas is all about, ladies and gentlemen. It is about the one who died on the cross. Who is the God who spoke the world into existence. Without whom nothing exists. By him we have life. We are heirs. Of God's eternal kingdom. We don't dwell in darkness. We are in the light of Christ. That's the central message of Christianity. That's the message of Christmas. Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. He says, we, pre I, I pre we preach to you Jesus Christ and Him crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. We don't like to hear about the cross. It's not easy, it's not pretty to see a man bloody, tortured, and beaten. But that is everything. 
without Jesus' death and his resurrection, there is no joy or hope in Christmas. We are still in our sins. And there's no promise of eternity. But because of the cross, because of Jesus' death on the cross, there is hope. There is joy. There is reason for celebration. Because you see, the one who was in the old, who, who spoke to Adam Eve, who spoke, who wrestled with Jacob, who spoke to Moses, who spoke to Isaiah, who was in the burning furnace, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who was nailed on the cross, who rose on the third day, who ascended into heaven on 40 days later. That very same one is the one whom you are clothed with in the waters of baptism. He is the same one who comes to you when you hear God's word proclaimed to you. He is the same one who is in the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins in the Lord's Supper. You know, I hear people sometimes say, ah, the Lord's Supper, you know, I don't want to have it too much because it's not special anymore. It's always special whether you think it is or not because God himself is present you part you feast on the very blood and the very body of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. You partake of him in, with, and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins, and you are strengthened and more and more each day, being more made more and more in the image of the God of the universe, the God who created everything, the unmoved mover, the logos. He is in the bread and the wine. And he is the one that makes us whole, gives us light and hope and joy. May we spread that light into the world until Jesus returns. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of the Word, the God made flesh, who is Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. That is recording of the sermon that was preached for Christmas Day. Um, I pray that it was a blessing to you, and I pray that you have a blessed Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all, and may it be, you have a very blessed New Year. In Jesus' name, amen.